0: Hey, 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 y'all. Welcome to my podcast, Minority Youth on the Italian Small Screen. Today, I will be going over the background of Italian television, Italian youth, and minorities in Italy. Alongside this, I will be introducing how I did my research and the ideas I hope to talk about in the upcoming episodes. Grab a snack or a drink and get ready to learn. Fiction, in its current Italian meaning, does not stand for television drama in general, but refers instead specifically to Italian television drama and, in particular, the homegrown product. Italian television has had a long history, and even the televised programming has come through a lot of transnational influences, even international adaptation and other things, just to name a few. I will shape the Italian television background through a brief history overview, the main networks, and their accessibility. Lastly, talking about the influence of Italian television. Italian television was first introduced in 1933, a little bit before World War II. So, there was a war going on. So Italian television actually didn't truly begin until 1954 with the creation of Rai. We'll get into media networks a little later, so let's continue with the history. Most Italian television in the beginning was created with an educational mission to deliver the classic culture. You might not be able to see me right now, but I'm definitely turning up, up my nose and tossing heavy quotes around the word classic. Much of the early days in Italian media was a literary adaptation and was seen as very astute with its relationships with the theater. Up until the 70s, we will see these same themes continuing in Italian television with limited international media imports, so you weren't getting, like, you know, the movies from the United States, the movies from the UK. You might have a little bit sprinkled here and there, but you really weren't, wasn't seeing that in Italy at this point. But when we get into the 70s, with series of deregulations in the media sector, Rai no longer has a monopoly, allowing for new commercial networks to come. And one of the first ones will be media sets. We start to see an increase in imported programming and Americanization. With this came the exploration of new genres for the Italian people. They finally got to explore the telenovelas, soap operas, and personally, my favorite, sitcoms. With this new exploration came at no, you know, shock. More TV means more demand and more, you know, taste for something new. So there came more production, but finally, we start to enter the adaptation era of Italian TV. When it came to the presentation and the formatting of these adaptations, Italians really needed some help. So Rye calls in the big guns, or rather the Australians, or as they're formally known, Grundy International, an Australian media company to help them adopt a famous Australian soap opera, Neighbors. Italians soon would have some serials of their own, called Un Pozzo a Sole, that will become a hallmark on the Italian television screen. Now, let's continue with some gossip. Well, I really mean some information about some of the main television companies in Italy. There are three major television companies in Italy, Rai, Mediaset, and Sky Italia. You're probably wondering why these networks matter. TV is TV, Janice. Like, I will watch ABC, I watch Disney, I watch all these different things. These companies don't matter. But au contraire, my friends, au contraire. The presenters of these TV mediums actually have a ton of sway on the messages that we're supposed to be getting from this programming. So, the history matters. Let's get a little bit into it. Rye? is the big kahuna of Italian TV scene. This was the first network and was the only network up until the 70s, so all the way from 1954 until the mid-70s, RAI was the only company. Now think about that. RAI had a monopoly, but most importantly, it was run by the government. So the government had a lot of influence, point blank, on the Italian TV screen from the get-go. Even today, Rai is still influential with about 40% audience share, so 4 out of 10 Italians watch Rai on a daily basis, which is honestly pretty crazy. Second, we have Mediaset, a network founded by Silvio Berlusconi. For those of you who aren't aware, Silvio Berlusconi is a former prime minister of Italy. So, again, we have this theme of politics and media within the Italian sphere. And lastly, we have Sky Italia, an Italian digital satellite television platform owned by News Corporation. With all that said, I think you might be picking up on some hints that have been dropping. Well, the hint that I've been dropping, or what I'm trying to say, is that there is a political nature to the Italian television. With politics being embedded, whether it be from politicians themselves or the government, these messages make the networks heavily politicized. I might also add that many people think that Italy has one of the most politicized television industries in the world, so that should key you into the kind of study we're doing here. Keep this at the top of your mind as you're listening to this podcast. At this point, you must be asking yourself, Janice, This cannot be the only companies in Italy. Is this really all there is because there's hundreds and hundreds of companies in the United States? Well, like the United States, there's a lot of other companies within this stratosphere, but we will not be focusing on them. On top of this, there's also a lot of American companies like Discovery Incorporated that are on the Italian scene as well, with them also sharing a pretty large portion of the audience in Italy. On top of that, we have our streaming on-demand services like the Netflix, Rye Play, and, of course, America has a ton more. But these are the primary ones on the market right now in Italy. There are a lot of players to consider in this industry, and this is just the start. This is honestly just the tip of the iceberg. But enjoy this brief interlude, and we will now get to the youths, the core of this study. It's time to talk about the youth, aka the people in the title and what they actually mean for this series. So naturally, I want to give you a briefing on them. So here, I'm defining youth as people who are between the ages of 15 and 24. There is no universal definition for what a youth really is, but this is the standard that seems to be normalized within the scholarly community. So that's what I'm going for. So, let me hit you with some statistics before we really delve into it so I can kind of paint the picture for you. The youth make up about 9.6% of the Italian population. Why is this important, you might ask? It is important because Italy is the fifth oldest country in the world. Therefore, the youth honestly have less power in their numbers overall. And do not come for me because Italy is the fifth oldest country and this is information provided by the cia so if you have any qualms with this please contact the u.s government the positioning of youth in italy is quite different than it is here in the united states let's take a look at a quote from carmen Lacardi who recently sat down for an interview this is not carmen's voice by any means but Let's add some little voice diversity. We don't want to be sitting here the whole entire time listening to only my voice. Think about the present situation of high youth unemployment in Italy. In the autumn of 2016, the youth unemployment rate is approximately 40%, around double the European average, the third highest percentage of youth unemployment after Greece and Spain, triple the rate in Britain. The rate of young people in a NEET condition, not in employment, education, or training, in Italy is also especially high, approximately 26%, ten points higher than the European average. Compared to their other European peers, Italian youths are faced with a social and economic disadvantage that impact their abilities to succeed and progress within the Italian society. I believe it's very important to recognize this because much of the television series that I watched did not really highlight and did very little to address the reality of the social disadvantages that these youths faced in Italy. But it's also important to understand because it kind of gives us a greater picture of the experience of minority youths in Italy in the real-life aspect. Now would be a good time for me to define what I mean by minorities for this study. For this study, minorities are defined as individuals whose race, religion, gender identity, ethnic background, sexuality, citizen status are different or fall outside the traditional idea of an Italian citizen. I want to focus on these individuals for varied reasons, but I guess some of the main reasons are because of the seconde generazione, and people who don't necessarily fit into the mold but are entitled to representation. By no means am I coming here as a representative of the secondi generazioni, but I am a person who has been studying Italian for eight years now, and rarely within the time I've been studying it. Only in the past two to three years have these individuals really come up within the Italian studies, and they've always been here, but no one was really talking about them. So let's learn a little bit more about these diverse youths. So many of these minority youths come from a migrant background and are often called the seconde generazioni. They have this special name, which denotes often the lack of Italian citizenship and the inability to leave the country. Italy is quite different than a lot of other countries. In the United States, we often talk about natural birth citizenship. So that's when someone is born in a country, they automatically have citizenship. But it's a little bit different in Italy. Italy follows Sanguis Law, Is Sanguis, which means by blood, to procure citizenship. So this makes it very difficult to procure citizenship, even if you were born in Italy. Here's a little bit of further color. Let's take a quote from Strovac and Guy Farina. Children born in Italy to non-citizens have as of right access to citizenship, but only once they turn 18, and only if their parents had regular residence in Italy at the time of the child's birth. Finally, until 2013, Eastoli's citizenship was conditional to having had regular residence for the entire period of 18 years. This condition brought up some paradoxical situations children born and raised in Italy found themselves barred from obtaining citizenship because the periods sometimes summer holidays spent in the country of origin of their parents which were recorded as expatriations and therefore interrupted their residence this compounds the situation for migrant more than the regular regular italian youth Not only are there economic pressures, but they're even unable to get jobs due to their citizen status within the country. Due to this barrier and clear separation with their peers, these migrant youth are often faced with a crisis of identity. Am I Italian? Am I African? Am I a North African? Or am I from the country I was born? And these questions are constantly being asked within this this study. Lacardi says this quote, if these young people are asked whether or not they feel themselves to be Italian, around one third are unable to give an answer. So one out of every three of these youths are unable to say how they truly feel about their identity. Let's kind of process that for a moment. As we move through this series, keep this in mind especially when it comes to race, because many of these migrants are in brown and black bodies, as well as religions which differ from the general society. So this will impact the way we analyze the characters, the way we see them, especially within these series that deal with race, religion, and citizen status of these youth. Let's talk a little bit about how the youth participates with these social and economic disadvantages so we can get a clear picture of how one might approach these topics in reality. Lifestyles are here intended as sets of practices with unitary sense and relational meaning, which are distinctive models shared within collectivities. Lifestyle is therefore the fundamental keynote proposed here to interpret these social cultural forms that are able to create social bonds in many different sectors of youth, going largely beyond strong, clearly defined collective social memberships and cultural belonging, and building these social bonds on the simple sharing of practices and means of actions and thoughts that seem to have at their core the search for new and innovative forms of balance between the expression of personal individuality and the search for connection with other people. This, in essence, kind of tells us how youth participate in social discourse within Italy. They will join the local discourse and use the experiences of folks around them to inform their beliefs. We will get into this a little bit deeper later, but the traditional idea of how people might interact with politics is not a trend within the youth here. Many don't involve themselves in politics on a national level, but will join a local coalition, which we will see in some of the shows, actually. Though there is often a pessimistic view of whether the situation of the youths within Italy will actually change and how they might be on par with certain older generations, people are changing their pers- perspective actually. Let me leave you with this quote from Lacardi. This change in our perspectives on youth is aimed at recognizing their cognitive, cultural, and political potentialities and can have an impact, in my opinion, on youth's general social representation. From this new point of view, youth can be considered, instead of a specific stage of life, a metaphor, a metaphor dealing with social change in a time of uncertainty. dive into the methodology and what we are going to try to achieve in these next few episodes. But on the bright side, we have set the stage and now we're almost ready to tango. At this point, you're probably wondering how I got this information or how I embarked upon my study or really why I'm doing such a niche topic or how I did it. Really, you are asking yourself, why am I listening to this podcast? Is Janice even credible? Well, credibility is subjective, but I can guarantee you that I'm as credible as any senior in college can be. So let's talk a little bit about how I did my research for this project. Naturally, to do a project on television, you have to watch some TV, and boy, do I love television. If you ever have a chance to meet me, tell me about your favorite television show, and maybe I have watched it. I love television, and so this was a great excuse for me to take a seat on my couch and watch five different shows to completion. The shows I watched were Zero, Summertime, We Are Who We Are, Scam Italia, and Lunanera. Let me give you a breakdown, synopsis of each individual show Let's start off with the ones that are produced and exist on Netflix. I will say that for full transparency, I will be giving spoilers about the shows as I go throughout the podcast to defend my analysis. So sorry in advance. So if you want to pause it here and, you know, take a couple of weeks to watch all these shows so I don't spoil it for you, I completely understand. But I also promise that you will understand and enjoy the podcast nonetheless. So let's start off first with Luna Nera. Luna Nera is a series of six episodes about a girl named Ade, who has been demonized because she is a witch and is forced to escape when her grandmother, who is actually her mother, creepy, I know, is burned at the stake because she's also condemned as a witch. She is soon accepted into a secret witch coven, which keeps her and her siblings safe for a while. Are here is the only black female and the only minority protagonist in the whole show. She is depicted as the chosen one until her sibling, who was masked as a male, is finally shown to be the chosen one in the end. Her sibling, who is white, is then anointed the leader of the coven, and Are is left out of the ceremony. And there is this seemingly revealed to be evil, giving the foreshadowing earlier in the season therefore condemning her further next up on the docket is summertime it is a show about a group of teenagers and their lives during you guessed it the summer but the name is almost a double entendre for the main character who is named summer who is a biracial character and one of the main protagonists of the show the show is also a netflix original series with two seasons with the third season on the way. The show basically goes through the drama that can ensue during the summer months, basically summer jobs, family problems, and relationship. The last Netflix original we have is Zero. This is probably the one series you have heard about and has been making headlines, especially in Italy. This is the first Italian programming to have a majority black cast. The show centers around Omar, the main protagonist, who discovers that he has powers that are of a mysterious nature. He bands with a group of young people in his neighborhood to prevent a construction company from gentrifying their neighborhood. We see a lot of messages surrounding the secondi generazioni, immigration, and youth participation in discourse in Italy. We have also one more series that lives on Netflix and was recently procured to become a Netflix original, which is Scam Italia. The series follows a group of high school students and the details of struggles they have as a result of being youths. The show has a unique model as it changes the main protagonists every season. We will be focusing primarily on season four, which focuses on Sana, an Italian Tunisian Muslim. The last show I'm going to introduce here is We Are Who We Are, presented by HBO. This show centers around the main protagonists who are a white and black teen, Frazier and Caitlin. We see Caitlin go through a sort of self-discovery which is led by Frazier. We see a lot of themes surrounding non-binariness, queer culture, and gender identity questioning. The interesting thing here is that the protagonists are army children who live in an American military base, which is set in Italy. We see a different interaction with these youths and how they experience Italy, but also how they present this unique youth culture. This show was directed by Luca Guadagnino and written by Italian writers, but produced in an American company. This is just some food for thought, to be honest. These shows offered a lot of insight to the representation of youth culture that production companies want to present in Italy. I want to say this because we must remember that these shows are purely fictional and don't actually display the realities of any individuals in Italy. And these fictions are presented by a director, a producer, a showrunner, et cetera, et cetera, with their vision and their biases of how youth culture should be. In addition to these shows, I will put them in conversation with various secondary sources As you have already hopefully heard, there are some quotes I'll be pulling from other scholars to strengthen my argument. Hopefully that will help me gain some credibility with you. Just joking. I know you probably stopped listening by now, but hopefully not because there's more information and interesting things to come. The studies will vary from youth studies to activism to media studies. So there's a lot of things, a little bit something for everyone. I hope that this has been a lovely time that you spent with me this week. Please stay tuned for next week where we'll be talking about the right to representation. I'll give you a nice 30 second clip in between so you know you can get a little excited for it. I'll see you next week.